0: Everybody, welcome back to the Covenant Eyes Podcast. It is so good to be with you again. We are in 2024, and it is an amazing year already. And we are super excited about today's show. I'm Karen. I'm one of the hosts, and I've got my uh, partner in crime over there.
1: Hi, hey, Rob. I'm Rob. I'm Rob Stoddard. I'm co-host, and I just want to say we've got an amazing show lined up. Really, because of our guest today, Lena Abu Jamra. Uh, Lena is a pediatric ER doctor. She's practicing telemedicine uh, now, founder of Living With Power Ministries. Uh, she's a popular Bible teacher, podcaster, conference speaker. She's also the author of several books. And today we're going to be talking about one of her most recent, I think maybe her most recent, Don't Tell Anyone You're Reading This. So kind of a teaser there. Um, and she also has a Bible study out now right right now called Through the Desert. Uh, Lena's... A co-host on a radio show uh, in her spare time, which doesn't sound like much. She provides medical care and humanitarian relief to Syrian refugees and in other areas that are hurting. So you can learn more about her at uh, livingwithpower.org. But um, anyway, Lena, you are a busy person. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. I've been a fan of Covenant Eyes for some time. And I think when I wrote Thrive, I think we did some interview somebody else was on. But so I'm quite familiar with your ministry and love the work that you're doing and have a lot of people in my life who have benefited from your ministry. So thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, well, we're glad to have you and we're excited to talk about this book. It sounds like a topic that Christians uh, definitely need to dive into. So tell us a little bit about what led you to write this book.
2: You know, I got sick of people failing. Honestly, at the end of the day, is what. It, and, and when I say people, I mean Christians. And when I say Christians, I mean Christians who are serious about their walk with the Lord. And uh, when I say failing, I mean uh, implosions happening. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, you hear about a famous person in ministry that you respect admire look up to and boom it's like where did this come from didn't they have covenant eyes you know i mean sort of you sort of make these assumptions in your brain of, of who they are what they are and and one such incident happened uh, about a year ago and it was uh, unlike others in that i didn't just know of the name but i knew the person and you know and i knew them well enough to be surprised because even during the season where the Presumably, had committed an you know adulterous affair, and that was made public into to, to the world. Uh, they were that person was in a worship team, leading, writing songs that were moving people. So very, you know, seemingly very connected with the Lord. So there's this dichotomy of someone who truly loves the Lord, who's honoring the Lord, who then implodes their life. And and I felt that was so close to home. And I, of course, I'm single, a uh, little good context here for people who are listening. i never married. I've been engaged twice. I've written on singleness, the moody spot that I have. It's actually not a show. It's a, it's a one minute spot, but it's called Today's Single Christian. And in many ways, I've, I've talked about topics related to general what I used it a word that now is sort of a curse word in our culture purity Uh, but I've talked about that in general and I think um, it just felt very close to home that if this person could implode what's keeping me from imploding and I knew certain things in my life that you know over the years I've struggled with and and over the years keep coming up and keep becoming a problem and so I felt really honestly I felt a, a a calling of god to write it and i say this carefully because i think everybody you know can do projects and say i really felt god calling me to do this but trust me when you read the book i don't think anyone would write the way that i wrote about this because i really i tell my story in excruciating detail i don't think anyone would do that if they didn't feel some prompting that is bigger than them and that felt like a step of faith and it ended up being liberating for me and freeing, but also I've, I'm hoping and I've heard from people who've read it that it really has brought some light to something that we think everybody else has a problem with. You know, you sort of stereotype in your mind the person who should have covenant eyes or the person who is falling into sin. And I, I think that is a lie. I think that uh, I would venture to say almost every person in the church, certainly statistics, which are based on surveys, and I know you know that, but they show that, that I think for people to kind of go, well, that book's not really for me. You're either lying to yourself or you're living in some bliss ignorance of where we are in our culture today.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, even with the title of your book though, don't tell anybody you're reading this. I mean, this issue, and we we see this also, is just one of secrecy, of shame. In your book, though, you talk about yeah. needing to really, you know, come forward and and step out of that shame. Why is that such a tough issue for people? And why do they need to really get beyond that?
2: You know, it's funny, because you're right. I mean, even the title is meant to be tongue in cheek, because we were, I had a different title for the book. And it seemed like it was like, no, Christian wanted to touch the other, you know, wasn't even we hadn't even printed yet. And it not like, and by the way, the more respectable, like it was the Christian organizations that, you know, the the, the the button down, you know, institution, they just didn't want to address it in the way that I did. Why did I address it directly? Why did I use my story? Because as an ER doctor, I don't think we have the luxury anymore of beating around the bush. I tend to agree with the Josh McDowell's of this world, world, which say that that is the number one problem in our church today, certainly in the Western church. And honestly, I think it's interesting because we kind of point fingers in 2023 at, oh, the problem is same-sex attraction and transgenderism. But before we even start, you know, using the Bible to, you know, hit on the head people who are having those sins, because we're really good at that, I think we're missing a whole bunch of um, God's heart. I I don't even want to say just biblical content because it's biblical content, but it's God's heart to how... He wants more for us. I think we miss the boat by, by making this sort of a list of do's and don'ts, but we miss the heart of God in it. And so I think people want to think that it's not really – you know, it's, it's, it's something that other people deal with. And, 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 and so it becomes over the years. And I think, again, people who have done work with pornography, certainly know even saying the word, there's certain words, masturbation, pornography are harder to utter than say adultery, or, you know, even, I mean, I think there's just certain proper words that we've, we've now made to this area of life, but, and yet everywhere around us, the culture is not using proper words, The media is not using proper words, The life At work, when I went to the ER, and now I work in telehealth, but when I go to the ER, but even now with my patients, they're not using proper words. They're surrounded, inundated. People in our churches are not using proper words. When you look at the pornography exposure of kids, you know, first exposure age eleven. Most kids have already seen pornography by age fourteen. You know, it's sort of mind boggling. And so we've sort of cut, you know made this problem at, as like you know, there's this single guys' this struggle with sexual sin. It's always the guys that cheat, and we've sort of excused the women and the kids, and and yet it's it's such a per- pervasive attack. I really see it as an attack on Christian minds and Christian hearts, this whole sexualized world that I think to be shy about it is not is not an option anymore. And and hence you say, why the shame? Why do we not want to talk about it? I mean, even I tell in my book the story of how I spent years, you know, going to church. I mean, I grew up in the church. I got saved at a young age. I dedicated my life as a teenager. I committed my life to go into ministry right out of my fellowship, you know, and and I've been made it my goal to study the Bible, to teach it as effectively and honestly. And I've written as honestly as I've could in my life. And yet it took a good year for me to go to a therapist before I was able to utter some of the things that I was secretly struggling with. And I don't think I'm alone. And even this process of writing and, and publishing this book, I've seen it and there's certain demographics, they can't look me in the eye and say they want, they want to talk about this. And I think like that you won't get freedom. You wonder why we have the rate of adultery that we do. You wonder why we've got kids growing up now struggling with same-sex attraction and wondering about their identity or because you're not addressing it. You just, just the elephant in the room. And I um, I you know I've I can tell you even now, like as the book has come out and sort of seeing the response, like people who read it adore it, find it life-giving. You can see the, the reviews that are starting on Amazon. They're very indicative of what we hear regularly, but there's a big amount of Christian, dedicated Christian population that don't want to hear. First of all, there's a huge amount of shame of the fact that I'm even a virgin. I'm a virgin, right? So I write about this from a perspective of sexual struggle as a virgin. And people don't want to use the V word. That's another bad word. And so I think... The longer we ignore the realities and the longer we hide them, the more they become secretive. It's like a hoarder. It's like you shove, people come over, you shove everything in a closet and you lock the door. As long as they don't, nobody sees it. Everything looks proper. We're fine. Until you hear about so-and-so famous person, whether pre-death or post-death, the secret life. And you go, what, where was that secret life? Well, it was hidden in a closet in shame. And and in my approach to writing this book, what I've done, it is not a prescriptive book. It is not a book where I go, oh, here's 10 things you need to do to be free, because I think that's naive. And you're never really free in the sense that if you have, let's say, a besetting sin or a a way to cope with life, you have to be so knowledgeable of it that you guard against it, because it's not like you're going to wake up. This is my naive assumption. I thought, in my teens, it was the hormones. In my 20s, it was like I needed to get married, right? And if you got married, it solved all your sexual sin problems. And But then if you don't get married, like me, that didn't go away. But also, oh my goodness, all these couples who got married in the church and they wake up and it's like, oh, the married people don't want to have sex. The single people want to have sex. And it's a mess. And, and so you realize whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, I have women in their 60s and 70s who have emailed me and said, Here's how long the struggle has gone on and some have had victory and some have not. And so I think I think for us to face the fact that Satan has a foothold, first of all, there's a spiritual component to this. And secondly, until we are willing to tell our stories as brutally honest as we can, and yeah, maybe lose a little respect here and there along the way, of people, but gain the freedom that only comes from the Holy Spirit. I don't think we're going to truly be free and be able to impact the culture in the way that we, we. I think evangelicals long to impact the culture, but we've got a blind spot that needs to be tended to.
0: Yeah, spot on. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's so weird, you know, to just look around culture and sex is everywhere. They're talking about it in every facet. It's, you know, in our movies and our music, it's everywhere around us. But Christians, for whatever reason, because of, I mean, obviously the reasons you've unpacked, We just don't want to deal with this. And our children are really suffering. The younger generation is suffering because they desperately want to talk about it. And they already are talking about it, but they're just talking about it to Google or they're asking questions to, you know chat GPT. They're not asking the the adults or the mentors in the church that can give them wisdom and knowledge that comes from God's word. So it's amazing that you're putting this book out there. What has the reception been among, I, I would imagine you're out speaking to college students and on campuses and things yeah. like that. What
2: is the reception been from young people? amazing from young people. But you know, again, to move a book, you need to belief of, of, of the people who move books. And so I think this has been the challenge is if you're 50 and over, and women in particular, because again, we stereotype who we think has the problem. So like an example, we think you know, you know we, we have this image of who should be in Celebrate Recovery, as an example. It's the ex-addict, it's the guys who are constantly getting together in small groups. They're the ones who need covenant eyes. You know, teenagers need covenant eyes, right? Of course, because they're teens. But, but we, we sort of miss this. Again, I go back to like why, how I wrote my book was to sort of dig past the what to do to why we are doing what we're doing. The solution will come if you can fix the why. We are a lonely people. I talk about a bit, I don't obviously talk about covenant eyes, I talk about accountability programs in my book. And, 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 and the truth is, no accountability program is going to fix a person who doesn't want to be fixed, number one. And number two, every accountability pro- pro- program can be bypassed. Right. So you give it to your kid, they're gonna find a way around it. And, and and like I'm a case in point. My problem wasn't that I didn't believe in accountability programs, but it was a practical thing. First of all, Covenant Eyes, as an example, was limited for me because especially as I ventured into the world of telehealth and I've been doing this 10 years. And, and there's things I need to look up on the computer. I don't have the luxury to put in the keywords. It's just a very practical thing. And so, but but more than that, my problem has never been porn in the sense of going online and looking. It's been through reading, which I think a lot of women have issues. with reading and pornography and erotica and things like that and it's the story and by the way you go oh you read erotica that sounds so good that's what game of thrones is i mean think about it that's what it is it's just a movie version of it you can dig through so many movies that have become popular in the christian circles nobody says they watch them you know and and in fact i even joke like the minute the gospel coalition writes about a, a show that's iffy what do you think most people are gonna do I've never heard of some of the shows until they start talking about it. And I'm like, oh, I got to check it out. Then I'm looking at, oh, this looks kind of interesting. Well, they are interesting because there's billions are watching them. That's why they're making the news. And so it becomes this pattern of like, if you don't understand why. And furthermore, we have this huge problem with community in the Christian church today. We are horrible at connection. And, and so look at me. I'm a single person in 51 now. Who am I going to, like I went through a church hurt in 2020, 2013. I wrote a book about it that has been massively successful, truthfully, my most popular book. It's called Fractured Faith. It's about deconstruction and church hurt. And where do you think these Christians, all the Christians who left the church because they're rooted by the church, they're not denying the faith. And there's a few that have denied the faith. We hear stories of people who are now apostates. But by and large, they're men and women who now just don't go to church on Sunday. So they don't go to small group anymore because if they're so if you know they're so like ah like they don't know how to fit in they don't and the longer you don't go the more you don't fit in now by God's grace I had some community my leadership team, the people who have, you know, been praying for our ministry in my life. But but even with that, I found it hard to find someone that I trust enough to send an email to as an example, right? So these are realities. I'm not the exception. This is a fact. Like most people, you already have the shame of bringing it up. Now you've got the, you know, the, the shame of not having anyone to have an accountability thing with, plus the fact that you can bypass it if you don't get to the why. Now you catch a college kid. So yes, college kids are doing remarkable. And I, I've had it, uh, with with this material, because, they're dying to talk about these things. And in a way, I, I've told parents I've told you, know, this is such an easy venue. You don't have to carry the load. Someone else has told the story. and it's not someone that you normally picture you know, sexually, you know, promiscuous have, you know, I used to be this and now I'm this, it's someone who's like your kids. I I would we didn't have passion when I was growing up, but they might as well had, I was the kid who would go to passion, raise their hands in worship, run to the altar, every chance of confessing and repenting. And, and yet I've struggled most of my life with the besetting sin in my thought life. And of course, with as a single person, you can imagine self-gratification. And so I think, you know, that sort of, and, and, and by the way, I've many people who say, well, that's not wrong. And you get in the debate of, that look, if the Holy Spirit convicts you that something is wrong, it's wrong. It doesn't matter how many resources you find that tell you it's not wrong, you know in your heart what's wrong, and you know the behavior that's leading you to act out on certain uh be uncertain uh, sexual sins, which or or however you want to call it. And so, and so I think you know, I unload a lot of that and unpack a lot of it in the book, and I think the young adult, and I even talked, by the way, about same-sex attraction and the place it has in the world of porn, as an example, and all of its facets, is I think that's the other thing that isn't talked about enough now that we're dealing with 10 to 15 to 20-year-olds who are having same-sex feelings because they're inundated with porn. And the minute they have a sexual feeling to the same sex, they all must be gay because the world's telling you if you have, or buy, you know, and they're not. They're just exposed to sin. This is sexual sin. The Bible talks about it. It's talked about it for thousands of But you can't last in that work if you're not spiritually healthy. And you're not spiritually healthy if you don't take care of the heart, which is why people get addicted to sexual patterns sins in all of their dimension, whether you're married and are having sexual issues or you're single and you're having sexual issues. So it all ties in. You can't separate your life. I go, oh, because what happens if you separate your life, you end up being that story of 5, 10, 20 years in the ministry, and all of a sudden, you're having the affair, you're hiring you know, prostitutes, you're having you know, back alley stuff that, that everyone's like, oh my gosh, how did we get to that? Well, we never dealt with it earlier on. And so I think it is essential for uh, colleges to understand, college leaders to understand that when you're talking about sexuality, we're not, this is not pushing sexual purity. I start a book in my jacket, I say, this is not a book about porn. Lest you confuse anytime anyone talks about sexual purity as, oh, don't no, watch porn. That is that is the easy conversation, right? I mean, the person who has, oh, I have a porn problem, let's just deal with it, boom, 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 done. It's, it's so much deeper than that. It's the understanding who you are as a human, understanding why the, the nature in you causes you to have certain feelings. When you open that floodgate, like it, all, all you need is a toehold into this world. And it can go, and I talk about this again in the book, how you might think, I'll never have this feeling. I'll never look at this. And one day you catch yourself and you're like, oh, and if you don't, I mean, I was blessed in my life to, like, I tell the story in one chapter where I did ha- experience some same-sex feelings, but it was in a in a dark time in my life. And by God's grace, I quickly connected with a woman in ministry that I know and love who has dealt heavily in this, a very well-known friend of mine. And, um, and by God's grace, and, you know, it's funny, her solution, and I think back now of what ensued. She is wise, in be, I mean, every she's, again, very wise and has a recent book written on this. And, and the wisdom that she had was she, we started FaceTiming every couple of weeks. It was during COVID. And we and, and I think she understood without saying it to me. Because if you tell someone, then you know the strategy, right? Sometimes it's better to just be Christ to them. And How do you be Christ to someone? Well, you develop a sense of community. You talk to people. You stop being... You understand that what's going to solve the problem isn't, hey, do these three things and you'll be solved, but you develop this sense of being seen and loved and wanted. And and so we developed this sort of call where and it wasn't even, she never called it an accountability, call, but every couple of weeks. You FaceTime me and we just talk about life and how, what was happening in ministry. And they started, you know, her church would invite me to prayer meetings and things that I didn't have, of course, it was during COVID that I think are essential to health. But that kind of work takes time and it takes commitment and we are not a people that want to do this we want the quick fix which is why when you read a book like mine and it poses the problem and it shows hope because you see someone who wow if she struggles with this man you know maybe there is room you know like in a sense i'm just saying cuz i look the part that wouldn't in a sense like i'm successful i'm a doctor i do ministry i write books about god and yet i have struggles that 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 are real and deep. And I think if I think there's a sense of community that comes in that and also a, a, an example to follow, like tell your story. Who's gonna reject you? Who? And if they reject you, they don't you don't need them in your life. You need healing much more than you do that. And then God will provide those venues. I didn't have a lot, I don't have a lot of friends, but the ones I have love the Lord deeply and have pushed me towards a life that um that that allows for. Uh, purity, may I use that word, which I think is a good word, or even holiness, not as an endpoint, but holiness as a means to experience the presence of the Lord. Because I think that happens too, is we want to achieve holiness in order to get the things that we want from God. I've noticed that pattern in my life. Well, if I can, you have this perfectionist, you know, if I can just do all these things right, then maybe God will X, Y, Z in your life. And and that is the wrong pursuit of holiness, just, but But to even say that, I'd be like, oh, that's so complicated. No, all that means is just I want to be near the Lord more than anything else in my life. And I venture to say most Christians – feel that at some point in their life when they give their life to the Lord and want that. But that is um, not going to happen to the extent that you want it. If you continue to turn to other things for comfort.
1: There's so much in there. I'd love to unpack so much yeah. of that. I guess we'll have to read your books. Uh, Lena, can I, can I turn, uh, turn the topic real quick just to the church? <laughs> you know, you mentioned that mm-hmm. you talked about that. We we have a lot of pastors who are that listen to this podcast and so much of the church is afraid of this topic they're afraid to talk about it. and we know there are a lot of reasons why some pastors are struggling but for the most part this is just some a taboo topic for a lot mm-hmm. of churches there needs to be that transparency there needs to be grace in there and um uh, connection Great. is definitely missing in there so if you were to talk to leaders in the church, you know, what would be your message to really help dive in? I think this? the reality
2: is that uh, every topic that Christians believe right now is just about, I mean, just about everything that Christians believe, which I mean when I say Christians believe, I mean, Bible believing, Christians believe, well, are, are it's like a, 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 a red, you know, like a topic that's going to cause division, like whether it's political. Your opinion on the Middle East, and I mean, I'm Lebanese, so trust me. I mean, i I have a biblical worldview, and so enough upset just to say, like, I'm not as free to express my views because it would cause some grief in the ministry we have in the Middle East, and so so it's a complete, you know, you just you cannot shy away from difficult topics anymore, and 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 I think when you start addressing them in a, what you said, in a grace-filled, loving, here's where I've been. This is why I encourage leaders to start by. This is why it's frustrating when you have the leadership that's more resistant than the people. You present this book to college because they're grabbing it, right? It's the leadership. It's a, it's the gatekeepers. But if they buy into the story, I've heard some pastors do it extremely well. I mean, I've watched sermons online and I've, I've been to churches where people will, I, I just was at a church actually recently that was teaching through like, uh, I can't remember which book, one of the epistles, Paul's epistles. And, and it was a section that that dealt, it wasn't even a direct, like, you know, like the, body's the temple of the spirit. It was an indirect, but he was able to even weave it in. So weave it in where you can, but don't be afraid to share your story. Now, again, you have one hour a week to do that. So it, and, and 20 minutes at that, most churches are so now uh, under pressure to be at the hour mark. So realistically, you're not going to be able to plan it for Sunday morning, but I think you've got to move away from the model that shoves people with sexual problems down to a basement in a celebrate recovery or, you know, a, a sexual healing room because, because no one will go. And the people who are like the ones who will go are the ones who don't have a problem standing up in the, in the auditorium saying, Hey, I used to be a prostitute and I'm saved now or whatever. Like, I'm just, I'm thinking I'm not, I'm sincerely like, I'm just saying, sexual sin is very well dressed in the church. And if you don't make it where it's, 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 it's touchable to that person I would have never gone to the basement as a ministry leader. To, it would have been. It would have felt like it would have cost me so much. And look, I do, as an alternative, I wrote a book about it. But there came a point where I had had enough. But don't wait till that point. Don't wait till the implosion. I didn't want to implode. That was the motivating factor. I t- told the Lord, I don't want to implode. I want to be free. Well, that freedom doesn't happen till you tell your story. I'm a firm believer of that. And so start with that, Pastor. Tell your story if you're struggling don't make it look like everything is perfect in your life so you lose a few people if you if you disagree with people about the nature of what bible teaches about marriage and about you know sexuality like it's okay we're all going to suffer for christ we know that just just don't you don't have to make social media your main venue of speaking about those things that won't get you in trouble in fact if i urge pastors anything is do it in a to service that you're not going to air in live cast. Like that, you know, the, the words we use, you got to be so cautious. By the way, one of the reasons I felt I was in a place where I could write this is because, in a sense, I don't have much to lose. I don't work for a church. I have my own ministry that we, you know, nonprofit basically work that we do. I work for myself in medicine. My debt is paid off. Like, in a way, like I think the Lord put that on me because I do have the luxury of saying, things clearly and not as much to lose, but we make ourselves in a place where we lose much when we use social media as our primary megaphone. You don't need to do it that way. Tell your people, your loved ones first, start tell, unpacking your story, make it not the place that people hide, you know, and, and are ashamed to go, but make it where it's like, if we're all, we're all in this together. I mean, yes, statistically, the majority of people in your church are struggling with secret sin. I, th- that is a fact. Like you can, you know, you can put wool around here. Th- that's a fact. If you can be like, well, no, you know, we only have 30 people who go to the porn recovery thing. You know, you're deluded. You're deluded, and so and so start making it uh, where you're talking about it in light of why the why 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 did God only ordain marriage between a man and a woman? Why does God love purity for us? Like why is it not okay? for a man and woman who are committed to be married to be having sex together because by the way that is like like no one even talks about that but the, like more than half of christians who are in evangelical bible churches don't anymore think premarital sex is wrong and that i have many people in colleges who come up to me and want to know they'll tell, tell me i had a kid Tell me his dad was telling him the bible doesn't teach that and he's a christian supposedly What well, well, where did he, what, what? And you sometimes you feel like you're losing your brain like what, what have I born in another planet and I was just dumped here on earth because I'm not that old but and I, the bible hasn't changed that much its language not at all it hasn't but how are we seeing it so differently now and so i think we need to we need to really get people back again not to a sexual i think that just says god wants you to do these three things and everything will go well with your life but rather understanding the heart of god and how deeply he longs to have an intimate relationship with us i am i am never ha- as happy as when i feel like there's nothing between the lord and myself and where i sense his presence in my life and i can see his fullness and, it, and things don't even have to go well like right now a book has it and whatever the sales are whatever the invitations are whatever the, anything you know you can make a list of the things that you want to change in your life circumstantially but you have an unarguable peace and confidence when you know that the lord is near you and with you and that to the best of your ability, yeah, you know, it's tough. Some days are hard in others, but the Lord sees that. He pours his grace on you, not because you're perfect, but because you genuinely, genuinely long for more of him. And that, I think, is the heart of God. Mm. So. So good.
0: It's so good. You know, it's funny because I mean, throughout the Bible, God reveals sexual sin to us throughout, you know, David's life. You know, there's Samson. I mean, it's amazing to me that as Christians, we think that, well, you know, maybe those guys like, no, sexual sin is something that the church is struggling with. And so many, if not all people have had some element of that in their life. currently are struggling with that. So I think it's beautiful that you're really bringing that to the surface. And I think being a woman and being able to communicate that this is also, this includes women too, like pastors, leaders, like it's not just the guys, it's also the women. And we have our own set of issues that we want to talk about and deal with in a safe setting in the church. So thank you for doing this. And how can our listeners get their hands on this book? Because I know they're going to be eager to read this. It sounds wonderful.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know when exactly this is going to run, but right now Amazon has a special on it. I think it's 20% off our, we have a store in our ministry. You can go to livingwithpower.org, but honestly Amazon or any bookstore near you, I think all the bookstores carry it. Um, Yeah, it's. uh, I think it's a quick read, and honestly, it's just it's my story. It's it really there's a lot in it, but it will. It's not a difficult book to read, and I'd love to hear from them, from whoever reads it, if it connects with you, and know that we're praying for you. We really have a, a dedicated team to pray for those who are struggling and those who are being set free. And I say being set free because again, it's a process. And uh, and the Lord walks with us every step of that process, and so I thank you guys for the work you're doing. I know I know that there's um, I, I really believe that sexual purity is the test of our times, uh, and I, I genuinely believe that. And I think uh, I've heard other pastors say that, and I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, and you mentioned women. I mean, the statistics of women and por- just regular porn are so high right now in the church among evangelical Christians, and so I think the need has never been greater. And I think Satan wants uh, to keep us stuck. In in the dark and in our captivity. But that is um, the good news is God has defeated Satan. And I think he wants you, whoever you are, who are listening, he wants you to be free. And So I'm praying for you. So we will
0: put links to the book and also to uh, Lena's ministry page as well, so you can learn more about her. Um, I would encourage our listeners, let's, let's take a look at this book, let's dive into it together, and let's start to bring this conversation to the forefront. You know that our podcast is all about talking about tough topics, and our hope really in doing that is that the listeners of this show will go back to their home churches and make this okay, make this a place where we can share and grow and heal together, because it's something we all have to address. And so, uh, Lena, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honor and a joy to get to know you. And thank you for sharing your story. That takes a lot of courage. But you know it's of God when, you know, you're this on fire for this and passionate about it. He wants this message to get out. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me, guys. And to all of our listeners out there, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Covenant Eyes podcast. And until next time, God bless, take care, and we'll see you again.